I'm, I'm not going to read it all, but I'm just going to read a little bit of this in Romans. Um, this is so good. Romans chapter 12. If you get the chance, I want you, I would love for you to just go read the whole chapter. Just, just, just eat it. Eat the book. Just take the whole 12th chapter of Romans and just eat it all week. Okay, just eat it. Most, most of you know, uh, are familiar with the first part but not so much uh, the part that I, I want to bring out to you, which is found in, in the 12th chapter. Let's look at, let's, let's start at, at verse number nine. You have that on the screen. Let's go to Romans 12 and nine. <clears throat> We're going to read just a little bit of this. Uh, everybody say, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Next verse. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Next verse. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. And I want to talk to you a little bit tonight on Christianity 101. Christianity 101. This will be very basic tonight, but I hope that you'll get something out of it. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. When you look at the great bodies of work in the Bible, and you've probably, if you've heard me allude to this, indulge me to say it again for new people that are here, and you look especially to the Pauline epistles, and that means Letters, epistles are letters, letters written by Paul because not all of the letters in the Bible were written by him. Most of them were uh, some debate as to which if Hebrews was written by Paul or someone else, uh, I'll let you do your theological homework and decide for yourself. If you compare the literary language to Hebrews, compared to the other writing styles of Paul, there would be some debate there. But to be sure, the authorship of Romans is ascribed to the Apostle Paul. Are you still with me? Because he says right in the beginning, I, Paul. And when you go to Romans 1, uh, he lets you know of a surety that Paul's writing the letter. And probably of all of the Pauline epistles, written through the New Testament, Paul leans into, it's probably the greatest body and scope of work, uh, is the book uh, to, Rome, to the Romans. At the time, actually, that Paul wrote that letter, he had not been to Rome, uh, but was planning on 
uh, going there to see the church at Rome. It was a letter addressed to the church. And there's so much truth in the book of Romans that if you just took a chapter a day and just slowly, and this is a, a little bit of what we're going to do in chapter 12, we're going to slowly read through it verse by verse. If you just took one chapter a day, it would take you a week to study that one chapter in Romans, to break it down verse by verse by verse. And the reason that I'm talking about it today is in my Bible reading uh, devotion this morning. How many try to read your Bibles every day? How many are wishing you did read your Bible every day? It's just a joke. But how many know that that's important to read it? Listen to it, Brother Evans. How many, how many times, I know one time you told me you and your wife read it. How many times y'all read it through? How many? Eight times together, Bob Evans and his wife have read the Bible through. We ought to give them a hand clap. Eight times, cover to cover. <clears throat> and if you ask him, you get him tonight and say, hey, you know, I know you've read it eight times already. Is, is it still speaking to you? He would probably tell you that even though I've read it eight times, it's still speaking to me. You know what? The Bible's alive. It's the word of God and it's, it's alive and it's living and you can read it one time and then go back and read it again and it speaks in an entirely different context to you. And so if you're new to this church, one of the things I advocate for is biblical literacy. That means that you read the Bible and you understand the Bible. And if you don't understand it, uh, we, you just call the church office and we have people that can walk you through a Bible study, a systematic approach. If you want to know more about the Old Testament and the New Testament, how they are woven together. At one point, I think I read that there were 64,000 cross references within the scripture that it complemented each other. Uh, not one scripture stands alone by itself, but the scripture is all tied together. You won't find uh, contradictions within the Bible. It is infallible. It is inerrant, which means without error. Uh, it is the word of God. And I wish that everybody would read their Bible every single day. Somebody say amen. And so this is a little bit of the backdrop of, of Paul's work found in the book of Romans. And it's, it's powerful. And the verse that I want to talk to you a little bit about or the chapter, we're not, we don't have time tonight to read the whole chapter. But in Romans, and I'm reading in the ESV version, they'll have it on the screen. But in, in Romans chapter 12, we talk a lot about the first few verses of that. We, we, we talked about it last week, about um, the renewing of the mind. How many of you realize how much of a challenge that is? How many realize that from last Wednesday to this Wednesday, you still need your mind renewed? And somebody texted me last week and said, uh, Pastor, I'm, I'm going to go out and get that book uh, that you referenced uh, last week by Dr. Caroline Leaf. And I, I told him, I said, that's great. Go and get it. And I, I hope it's a blessing to you. I said, because we all need our mind to be washed over and brand new. We all need our thoughts that run rampant to be brought into captivity. 
If there was one single prayer that I would say to you to pray every day, it's God, bring my mind under captivity. Bring my thoughts under captivity. Bring all of the intrusive and obsessive thoughts that we have every single day, bring it into captivity. And Paul alludes to that in the beginning part of that chapter. He says, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Everybody say, renew my mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And we've talked a lot about that, and we've taught Bible studies about that, but I want to pick up at verse number three. And the, and the Bible says, Paul writing, he said, by, for by the grace you have given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And I want you to think about that for a minute. So Paul is saying, for by the grace given to me. Everybody say grace given. Understanding that if it were not for the grace of God given to us, we would not be able to do anything that we do. He says, because grace has been given to me, I don't need to think of myself more highly than I ought to think. Say, well, you, I'm all that in a bag of chips. No, you're not. He said, but to think with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You are what you are by the grace of God. You sit here tonight in right mind, hopefully, clothed. Paul said, by the grace that was given to me. You work where you work because of the grace that has been given to you. You live where you live and you do what you do and you have the talent and abilities that you have, not because you're so smart, or because you're an intellectual, or because you know how to do this or that. No, no, no. By the grace that has been given to me, I am able to do what I do. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. He said, grace given to me. I'm able to do what I do. And now, now watch this. He says, so you ought to think with sober judgment. So grace gives you the ability not to think more of yourself. Now, why is this important? Because we live in a culture that's all about me. I mean, I mean, your phone has a device when you want to be in selfie mode. 
How many, how, how, I mean, how many, how many understand what? That we're living in a culture that's all about me. Come on, wave your hand, say amen. Show me that you're alive. I'm not, you, you, every, it's, all about, it's all about me. It's, it's very me-centered. It's very, it's narcissistic. It's, it's about me. It's, it's all about me and my talent and my gifting and my ability and, and my degree and my job and my career and my feelings. And Paul is saying, you're not a big deal. Because all that you are, he's writing to those Romans, that, those, that intellectual powerhouse. Paul was saying, don't think of yourself more highly than you are. We, in the old days, in the old school, we used to call it having the big head. Paul's saying, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But, so he gives a contrast there. He, he tells him, then how should you think? He said, soberly. Okay, so what's the opposite of sober? Intoxicated. Is that a better word for our culture right now than intoxicated? It's intoxicated on itself. And Paul says, when you think of yourself, you need to think of yourself soberly. Now, this is not my message that I'm getting to. This is just the filler for right now. He's saying, when you think of yourself, be soberly about it. You need to look at yourself and go, you know what? There's, there's some work that needs to be done on me. I got some stuff I need to get straightened out. I could pray a little bit more. I could, I could be a little bit more faithful. I could, I could be a little bit more disciplined. I, 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 I shouldn't go. I, should, I could do a little bit better. It's amazing to me how you want to think about somebody else that way, but we don't think about ourselves that way. We shouldn't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. Paul said, think of yourself with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. It's important to understand that. And he, and he goes on and he tells why. And again, I know this is very, this is Christianity 101. He says, because you're one body, everybody say one body, with many members, and we do not all, this is really interesting. He says, we do not all have the same function. That's why it's a mistake to compare somebody else's gifting to your gifting. Don't compare how somebody sings or how somebody preaches or how somebody teaches or how somebody worships to yourself. You are not the same. We are one body, but different giftings. And God, and, and he's saying, we're one body in Christ, individual members, one of another, having gifts that differ. Why? According to the grace that's been given to us. There's people that can, there's always going to be people, people that can do it better than you. I'm just, I want you to get that. And you can fall into the comparison trap. Somebody can sing better than you. Somebody can preach better than me. 
Somebody can pastor better than me. Somebody can teach better. They're a better welder than you. They're a better school teacher than you. They're a better student than you. Don't compare yourself to other people. Tell the Lord, help me to maximize the gift and grace that you're giving to me and don't let me compare it to anybody else. Look at your neighbor and say, don't fall into the comparison trap. This is important. He tells them, let them use them. Now watch this. This is, this is just Bible teaching. There's gonna be, he said, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, in other words, if there's those that prophesy, they have the gift of, of telling the future or declaring or inspiring, that's fine. If service, so he's making a distinction. He's saying, there's those that are prophets. They prophesy. If service, some people have the gift of serving. Listen, don't beat yourself up if you don't have the same gift as somebody else. Let me, let me just use this because she, she, won't, she won't mind this. Sister Grace and Jeannie have a special gift of hospitality. They're going to the women's shelter. Sister Grace... This is not a new thing. Sister Grace has been doing that a long time. Okay? She's been, when we had, when we had the gymnasium, she was down there. She did special events. She took them on trip. She has a gift to do that. Okay? She has a gift of hospitality. She may not be a prophet. She might be, Greg. You just never know. But she's maximizing the gift that God has given her. The problem is when you don't use the gift that God has given you. Some of you do have the gift of being a prophet, but you don't use it. Some of you do have the gift of being in service, but you don't serve. Some of you do have the gift of being hospitable, but you're not hospitable. And Paul is saying the body has different members, but it's one body, and you need to use the God-given gift that he has placed inside the body. It's important, it's important, he said, and he, and he breaks it down. Some serve, some teach. You can, you, can, you can see that on the screen. That's 12 and seven. Some serve, some teach, some exhort. Well, I, I, I've seen some guy, well, I just want to get up, man. I just, you just let me turn me loose on Sunday morning. And I'm thinking, that's not your jam, bro. That's not your gift. But you put them, you put them in somewhere else and it explodes or you put them to teaching or, or uh, evangelism, they explode. It's, it's finding your God-given gift and talent and flowing in that. If, now, let me just make a confession to you. As a young pastor, I thought, you know, we would just take whoever had a heartbeat. You know, whoever wants to serve, it just didn't matter if they, they had a gift or not. It's just like they're willing to serve. And you put some people in a place and they don't flourish in it. Now, that's not an excuse for people that need to be doing something. I'm just saying you put some people in places and they don't flourish because it's outside their gifting. 
They, they, they don't know how to be nice to people, so you don't put them in hospitality. You put them in service. Okay? But he said, there's those that even have the gift in generosity. There's some people in this church. Now, we all should be generous to a degree, but there's some people that have a superlative degree of generosity. There's some people that have the extravagant ability to go above and beyond that. That's what I want to be. I want to have, I want to have extravagant generosity. And so Paul is, Paul is breaking all that down. He said, there's that have generosity, those that have leadership ability. You know how you can tell if you're a leader? Look behind you. If there's nobody following you, then you're not a leader. If you're just, a, if you're just one person, you're not a leader. That's not your gift. If you can't get along with anybody, you might need to go to service. Now, I don't mean that, I mean that sincerely. But some people don't have natural leadership ability. And that doesn't mean that you're less. Doesn't mean that you're not valuable. Everybody that's in this building tonight, there is a purpose and a plan. I hope you're listening to me. There's a purpose and a plan and a gifting for your life. God did not call you just to sit on a pew and not do anything. You are part of the body of Christ and there is a place for you to serve. Clap your hands if you believe that. I'm still not where I want to get. But I, I hope this is helping somebody as we, as we go through this. And then he, he goes on to the next verse, 12 and 9. He says, let love be genuine. What does that mean? It means authentic. Don't be fake. Don't say I love you and let your actions be different. You can say you love somebody, but if your actions don't display love, then that's not love. Love has action. He said, let your love be authentic. Oh, I, I, love, I love you, brother, but it, I love you, sister. I love you, but then you go out of the church and then you're running somebody down and you're talking about them, trying to destroy them. That's not love. That's, that's hypocrisy. You need a fresh baptism of love. Can, are are y'all still with me tonight? So he's saying, if you say you love someone, then let your love be genuine. Be authentic about it. Don't be hypocritical. Don't be two-faced. Don't be duplicitous about it. Let your love be genuine. If you say you love them, then love them. Or don't say anything at all. And then he says this. This is a strong word. He said, abhor what is evil. Now that word is the strongest word in the Bible when it comes to a feeling or an emotion that is invoked with disdain. Abhor is greater than hatred. When you, when you read in the Greek and you see that word, it's stronger, it, it invokes greater a meaning and emotion. Paul is saying you should, I don't even want to say hate because it's, it's a degree above hate. He said abhor that which is evil. Now notice, he didn't say who. He said that. We don't, we don't abhor people, but we do abhor sin. We abhor it. We abhor sin, evil, 
all works of the flesh, lust, pride, anger, adultery, lasciviousness, sexuality, all manner of sin that's going opposite of God. The Bible says, Paul was emphatic. He's emphatic. He said, you should abhor it. You shouldn't indulge in it. We shouldn't, we shouldn't relish in sinful acts or behavior, anything that is sinful. Come on, why, I, why are y'all so quiet tonight? We should not take pleasure in sin. We should not take pleasure in people who commit lewd acts of sin. So he gives us, do I need to preach about that a minute? We should not relish and enjoy sinful activities in the world. We shouldn't say that that's okay when it's not okay. We shouldn't say abortion is okay or murder is okay or adultery or fornication or pornography. It's not okay. We must abhor it. Somebody shout abhor it. And then he gives us the answer to that. He says, but hold fast. Somebody shout that to me. Say hold fast. Thanks, Brother Todd. Hold fast to that, to what is good. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's something that I, I really try to do. I really try to hold on to the good. Because you know why? There's so much evil. There's so much evil. Evil in the world. Evil, evil in other countries. And there's so much evil. and just It's evil. But there's, there's an answer. He said, hold fast to what is good. You know why I come back and tell you we had 20 people baptized? Because that's good. I hold fast to that. You know why I come back and say, we had 24 visitors on Sunday. You know why? Because it's good. You know why I say they come back from youth convention filled with the Holy Ghost and I say it again and again and again and again. You know why? Because it's good. Hold on to what is good. Somebody shout, hold on. Nobody got time to hear about all the bad. If you start talking about all the bad, I will get up out of your table and walk away. You got to hold on to what is good. You need to talk about, well, I want to talk about this. I'm going to talk about these little things and I'm going to talk about it. Be quiet. Talk about good. Talk about the goodness of the Lord. Talk about how great the church is. Talk about what God's going to do in the last day. Talk about the rapture. Talk about the coming of the Lord. Talk about I want to be ready to meet him in the clouds, in the air. Talk about the good. Love one another with brotherly love. Brotherly love. The word Philadelphia. That's right, Philadelphia. You've been studying your Bible. That's right, Philadelphia, brotherly love. Agape, filio, eros, all three types of love. Love them with brotherly love. Love them like you love your kids. Love them like you love your brothers or your sisters. That's what he's saying. You need to love like that. And then he said, Outdo one another showing honor. In other words, he's saying you ought to prefer somebody else. 
There's a great book called Leaders Eat Last. And it's talking about basically leaders prefer people in front of them. You go to the front of the line. Let, let me open up the door for you. You outdo. What kind of church would we have if we started thinking like that? What, what kind of church would we have if we, we gave honor away and we said, no, you know what? You, you take, oh, Lord. Jesus said it's better to be in the back seat, in the back of the room, and the master say, come on up here to the front seat than to be in the front seat and the master say, you're in the wrong place. Why don't you go back to the back seat? I wanna tell you, we'd have a powerful church if we would prefer one another. And that's still not what I wanna talk about. We should prefer one another. We should practice humility. There's too much pride. We ought to defer to one another. We ought to prefer one another. You have the best seat. You go first in line to get the meal. Let me open the door for you. You have the best parking seat, parking spot. You get the honor. I told you it's Christianity 101. Even in the language, if, if you study Paul's writing, the first part of the chapter and book, there's these big paragraphs. There's these big bodies of thought that he's, that he's expounding. Big, big paragraphs early in the book. But when he gets to chapter 12, it becomes, it becomes almost like bullet points, very staccato. Just, he's just hitting the points. And it looks, now you have to remember, this chapter looks very, very similar to another New Testament chapter. It looks like the Beatitudes. It sounds like that. He didn't have that at the time, but you can see, you can see Christian principles coming through Paul's writing, which brings me to what I, I really want to talk about. I didn't, all that, I needed to fill in time, and you needed to hear all that. But the part, and I, I can't get to the rest of the chapter, which there's a whole lot there. Maybe we'll get it another time. The part that jumped out to me today was this verse. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And when I read that, it like set me on fire. It wasn't four cups of coffee. It was this scripture. Paul said, don't be lazy. Charlene and I were working Tuesday, Charlene, and her, their grandson, she had a picture of her grandson in the office holding a sloth. Vance. Have y'all, y'all know what a sloth looks like? You ever seen a sloth run? You're not going to. I was preaching in, um, in Brazil, in Manaus, where Brother Demerchant was at, and I got to hold a sloth, and it was creepy. Because it's moving so slow that you're like, is this thing even alive? And Paul said, don't be slothful. 
don't allow yourself, this is what I want to talk to you about. Don't be slothful in this last day. Don't be slothful in your passion. Don't be slothful in your zeal. Don't be, I'm glad, and I'm not, I'm not saying this so you'll respond, but I'm glad that when we come in here on a Sunday morning, people are not just sitting back, just kind of waiting and just, no, no, no. There's a group of young people that are bouncing. There's a group of young people that's running. There's liberty in this place. People are being moved on by God. People are worshiping. People are clapping their hands. People are shouting and rejoicing. Don't be slothful in zeal. Don't do it. Don't do it. Well, I've been in the church a long time. I don't care. I don't care. You you know, you may can't run like you used to run. A lot of us can't. But we can lift our voice. We can clap our hands. We can be passionate in prayer. We can be enthusiastic. We can be intense. Don't be slothful in zeal. What? Don't do it. Not now. Not in the last hour. Don't be slothful this coming Sunday when we got an evangelist. Don't sit back and say, well, I'm just going to check him out. Don't do it. Because I will sit him down, I'll pay him well, and I'll preach. Don't be slothful. Don't just sit back and say, well, you know, we had a breakthrough, you know, way back in the Tuolumne property. We had a breakthrough with Keith Clark. We had a breakthrough with J.J. Bourne. You know, I've been in the church 30, 40. No, 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 no. You're not, you're not exempt. You're not exempt from soul winning and, and evangelizing and telling people about the gospel. You're, don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent. You know what that word means? To boil. Now you will boil in playoff time. You'll boil watching your kids play soccer watching them play Little League, you'll boil then if, if there's a bad call that doesn't go the way you want it to go or you don't get your way, uh, you'll boil. No, no, no. If you're going to boil, be fervent in spirit. Boil inside of you. Boil in passion and determination and fire. Boil in the Holy Ghost and Fire, boil in that. Come on, clap your hands, somebody. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Don't be slothful in zeal, but fervent. Everybody shout fervent. When you come into this place on Sunday morning, don't you sit back like a banana like you're draped over that chair. We'll pull all the chairs out and we'll put buckets in here. Don't mess with me. I'm too old and I'm too tired and I just won't put up with it. Be fervent. Somebody say be fervent. Be fervent in spirit. I got a report this week from Pastor John about a visitor, never doesn't know anything about our church, just came in 
and said, I don't know about all of this. He said, but one thing I do know, there's power there. There's power there. I'm gonna tell you, we can't ever lose the power. Come on, somebody. We, we cannot. This is not the time to ride off in the sunset like John Wayne and say, well, it's just time to just get it on. No, no, no. Listen, I wanna be red hot when the Lord comes. I wanna be full of fire and full of passion and full of zeal and full of determination. I'm not slowing down. I'm not quitting. I'm not being slothful. I'm gonna boil. That's what I expect in this church. Red, hot, boiling, passion, zeal, serve the Lord. I don't have time to get to the rest of this book, but this is the message. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. What does that mean? Anytime the doors are open, serve the Lord. On Wednesday night, serve the Lord. On Sunday morning, serve the Lord. In Spanish service, serve the Lord. In Bible study and youth prayer meeting, serve the Lord. In your giving, serve the Lord. I, there's too much of this casual Christianity, this Christianity light. I'm just here, I'm in your Sunday morning kumbaya. You look like you need to be in Hawaii somewhere. You're doing your, you know, aloha for Jesus. What is that? You had not prayed through in, in so long. It's been five missions conferences since you had any fire in your spirit. It's been five years since I've seen a tear roll down your face or you speaking in other tongues. Don't drag yourself in. Listen, I'll send you somewhere where you can be comfortable. But this church is born in the fire of the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout amen. amen. Brother Tim, come on up to the keyboard. Listen to what I'm saying. I want you to hear my heart. We must never lose our zeal and fervency for the Lord. We can fill this building up every single week with dozens and dozens and dozens of baptisms and people being filled with the Holy Ghost. We can do it every single week. We could do it two or three services on Sunday, but we can't do it with 20 people doing all the work. We need every single person that is, has a gift in this church to use your gifting. Use your gifting, whatever it is. Use your gift for the Lord and do it with all your heart, do it with all your strength, do it with all your might. If you gotta sweep, if that's all you can do, be the best sweeper. If you can sing, be the best singer. If you're running a camera, run the camera to the best of your ability. If you're gonna be an usher, then be the best usher you can be, but serve the Lord. I'm fired up tonight. I want some people to get behind the vision and get to work. Let's stand. I'm grateful 
for you here. I'm grateful for everything the Lord has done. I'm grateful. I'm grateful we have this building. I'm grateful we have this platform and all of this stuff. This beautiful baptistry. I'm grateful. But I'm not, I'm not cold. And I'm not satisfied. And I'm not washed up. And I'm not done. I'm red hot. I'm boiling. I'm boiling on the inside. I'm not slothful either. I'm giving it everything I got. I hope that when the Lord calls me home that they have to stop me because I ran all the way through the pearly gates and I'm still running. I hope they have to run me down and say, you've already made it. You don't have to run anymore. I don't want to be hiding in a corner somewhere waiting and begging God. Don't be slothful. Come on, raise your hands to the Lord right now. I feel the Holy Ghost on me. We're positioned to be. I want y'all to come down here really quick. I'm not going to beg you. Just come down here. I'm going to tell you what I see. We are right there. I'm telling you, we are right there. There. Right there. That this year being one of the most dynamic explosive we have great church every weekend I know that but I'm I'm talking about crossing into a place where it's full every single service that people are being baptized around the clock and people are being filled and lives are being changed and you're being changed and and God's winning your family and your children and your daughters are coming to the Lord and and there's increase, there's money, there's resources, your needs are being met. There's more than enough money to do everything we need. I'm telling you, that's what I'm seeing. I see increase, spiritual increase. Financial increase, relational increase. And I'm telling you what the Bible says. I'm telling you what God said to to me through his word this morning. Don't be slothful. Be fervent in your spirit and serve the Lord. I want you to raise your hands right now and ask God to baptize you. Ask the Lord to just baptize you right now, God. Baptize me. Just let the Holy Ghost come down, Lord. I've preached your word, God. I've preached your word tonight. I've tried, God, to let this burning, boiling passion, let it, let it, let it just spring up out of everybody that's here, God. Don't don't put your plow down. Don't put your harvest sickle down. Don't don't just give up now. Don't don't do that now. Ask God to baptize you with fresh zeal. God, give me a zeal for your house. Give me a zeal for your kingdom. Come on, raise your hands right now, right now, in the name of Jesus.
Let's wait on the Lord a minute. I, I feel like something's trying to be released in this altar right now. Wait on the Lord right now. Raise your hands. Let's wait on the Lord all across this building. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Call on the name of the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord. God, pour out fire all over this building. Let it go into every campus. <clears throat> it's not enough to have it at youth convention. It's not enough to have it at youth convention. We need it at MJC. We need it at, we need it at Stan. We need it everywhere, God. We need it everywhere. We need it in the ladies' shelter. We need it everywhere. We, we don't need to keep this in this building. Come on, somebody pray with me right now. you listen to me a minute typically we'd sing but I I feel something stronger than that tonight I'm, how many of you feel like just let's be honest you feel like the, the, the tip of your sword or is just if you feel like there's you're just not as sharp as you once were you just raise your hand you just feel like I just need that I just need that I need that, that, like I used to have, that boiling. I need that. I, I'm telling you as your pastor, I need that. I'm preaching to myself. I need that. And it doesn't necessarily have to happen tonight in this moment. But here's what needs to happen. We need to pray it. We need to pray this scripture. That's what we need to do. That's what we're getting ready to do. We're going to say to the Lord, this year, set me on fire set me on fire let, let the passion of the gospel and the passion of love for you let it boil inside of me to where it just comes out everywhere I go people let me, let me tell you I know I'm taking some time but I'm, this means a lot to me if, you're on, if we're on fire people will come watch us burn they will come. They will come. It will change the world. Now, let's. I want us to pray that that God would reignite the ember. That maybe the enemy or life or our health or it whatever the ember that's in our soul. We want the wind of the Spirit. The next few days, next few services, the rest of this year. We want the wind of the Holy Ghost to blow into the embers of our life. 
and we want the fire that's been just a little bit burning, we want it red hot. How many of you feel that way like pastor? <clears throat> you want it red hot? That's what I, now let's just ask the Lord right now. Without, and they can sing if they want to sing, but just ask the Lord right now, right now. Ask the Lord for that. Ask God to make you fervent in spirit that there'll be a red hot fire on the inside of you that would burn, that would burn in your school, in your job, in your community, everywhere you go. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost let it burn inside of you, in your ministry, in your singing, in your preaching, in everything you do. One time with all your strength, I want you to lift your voice right now and ask the Lord. 